let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we had a break to do, to do Pentecost. Uh, now let's, let's get back into it. Just a, a quick prayer recap. Remember we saw that, that prayer isn't, uh, isn't just you know, talking to God, that prayer is specifically asking God to do something. So we get to be those people that when someone says, you know, prayer is talking to God, we can go, well, actually. And then people are like, oh. Uh, and then we saw that prayer is one of the greatest blessings that God can give to His children. He encourages His people to pray, even commands us to pray. So that's part of our problem is that we don't pray enough. We then looked at hindrances to prayer. We saw three hindrances specifically mentioned in Scripture, abundance, doubt, disobedience, that all of those things can keep us from praying. But then we got into the actual doing of prayer. But when we got into the doing of prayer, we began with what not to do. And the reason we started with what not to do is because when God teaches his children to pray, that's often where he begins. Uh, That's where he began in the Sermon on the Mount. It's where he begins in other sections too, teaching us what not to do. And so when you're reading through Matthew 6, right before he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, he teaches disciples how not to pray. And so he warned us about praying in front of others, uh, praying with your minds on them. He warned warned us of long prayers, long prayers either to impress God uh, or to impress others. We were warned about doubting prayers. We saw this in the book of James. We were warned of worldward prayers rather than Godward prayers. And we were warned about praying with our lives still stuffed with sin. So that's how not to pray. But the Bible does also teach us how to to pray. It doesn't just, doesn't just tell us how not to do it. It also taught us how to pray. And specifically, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in two sections, Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Those are the two sections where we get the Lord teaching them to pray. Luke 11 is where we get the disciples asking, Lord, teach us to pray. This is where we get what we call the Lord's prayer. It teaches us the fundamentals of how to pray, teaches us uh, that prayers, you know, are are said to the Father, that He is our Father in heaven. Uh, And then it's especially helpful because the Lord's Prayer shows us what types of things we are to be asking God for when we pray. What should you ask God for? We always wonder that. I remember when I was first learning to pray and learning to ask God, I was like, well, surely there are things I shouldn't ask Him for. Uh, And that means there are things that I should. Well, what what would it be wrong to ask God for? And what is it right for? Immediately told, not right to ask for a Corvette. Uh, but what should I ask for? What sorts of things should... Is it just asking wrong? No. Well, then what should I ask for? That's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. And so we've begun, we've begun walking through, letting this prayer teach us what are the things that, that the Son of God tells us to ask the Father. What are the things that when, when His disciples say, teaches us prayer, He says, ask your Father for these things. And so we saw that we would ask God that His name would be holified, that His kingdom would come, that His will would be done, that He would feed us uh, our daily bread and feed us that bread this day. And now we're on to this fifth command. And that's what we've been looking at uh, for several weeks now. This fifth request uh, that we ask of God, the request for forgiveness. When we ask God to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven the debts uh, our debtors. So we saw, just as we've walked through our forgiveness, we saw what forgiveness was. We saw that forgiveness is the taking away of debt, uh, not holding debt against uh, us. That's what God does for us. He doesn't hold our debt against us. He bears it away. Remember, that's what that, that word means to, uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New, in the New Testament and 
and in the English, the forgive means to give it away, to take something away. We saw added blessings that come with forgiveness. And now we're on to the second half of this forgive us our debts. We're on to the, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's what we're on now. So we ask God to forgive us our debts and we saw what that looked like and what God does and all the blessing tied to God's forgiveness. But there's a little thing attached to the back of this that's really kind of important for asking God to forgive us. And it's forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. So there's a recognition that as we ask God for forgiveness, it is expected that we are also forgiving those who owe us. So we've been looking at, well, what does it mean to forgive others? What does it mean to forgive other people? It is, just as we saw with God's forgiveness, it is to, to not hold what they owe us against them. It is not to demand repayment for the wrong that is, is done to us. It is not to sit there and think and seethe, oh, I'm going to get what's coming to me. You know, that's, that's, that, that would not be forgiveness. Uh, and last time we saw uh, why forgiving others is so important. Uh, this prayer implies it. Forgiving others is natural for the Christian. We must forgive if we want to be forgiven. Scripture tells us we forgive because we've been forgiven. Scripture tells us. And we also saw Jesus warn us that if we refuse to forgive anyone of anything, that we will be damned. So kind of an important thing to do. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we're doing it, which is funny because our normal temptation is in that, as we're going to see in just a little bit. So I won't talk about it now. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, it's, it's going to be kind of important. So let's, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read Matthew 6. And we'll read all the way down to verse 15. So we'll actually go outside of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, to remind us that the continued focus of what Jesus talks about right after the Lord's Prayer is he points back to the importance of forgiving others. So um, that, that the Lord's, this is, this is at least, forgiving others is at least a primary focus of the prayer itself. So Jesus says, uh, as recorded by Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, help us today to understand your word. Father, we know that we are already richly blessed because we've heard your word. And, and just even the hearing of it, Father, you are planting innumerable seeds in our hearts, in the hearts of our children, in the hearts of our friends. Hearts, seeds that you promise will bear fruit. And so, Father, I pray, pray that you would bless us beyond what we deserve. We're often, Father, callous to your word. We're often reticent to obey. We often want to do the least, not the most. And so, Father, humble us today. Uh, let us see how grand you are. 
and let us let us do what we've sung about. Let us let us show how worthy you are of our worship. Let us show how majestic you are. Let us sing about your forgiveness and grace. Let us let us believe and do those things ourselves. And we ask this, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so today, today we're going to look at what forgiving others looks like. So, okay, we, we know, we, we've seen what forgiving others is, that it's not holding their debts against them. Specifically, when you forgive someone, it's just saying, I'm not going to wait till you pay me back. I'm not expecting some payment back from you. It's saying, it's, it's recognizing the Lord is the one who's going to handle any debt here, not me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not expecting any repayment from you before I make things right or whatever. It's looking at others and saying, I do not expect you to have to repay me. So we've seen that, but the Bible also gives us further guidelines. Not just that we need to forgive, forgive, but it also tells us how we are to forgive. That there are certain ways that we forgive. And it's very similar to what we saw about God. Uh, we saw that uh, what forgiveness is, but then we saw how God forgives. So what does biblical forgiveness look like for us? What does it look like when you forgive someone? How is that forgiveness supposed to be done? So you're forgiving their debts. We know that. But how do you do that? What does it look like when you do it? So what does the Bible tell us about how to forgive others? And the first, the most obvious is that our forgiveness of others must look like God's forgiveness of us. It must mirror God's forgiveness. So our, so how do you forgive? Your forgiveness of others is meant to mirror how God forgives you. So not only must we mirror that God forgives, we must mirror, we must mimic how God forgives. So when we're forgiving others, we must remember what he's done for us. Our forgiveness must always be, so our own forgiveness must always be the the rubric we use to measure how well we're forgiving other people. So what we do is you see, okay, how has God forgiven me? So if I'm saying I've forgiven this other person, but my forgiveness looks like this, how does that compare to God's forgiveness of you? Is, is, is God, if God forgave you to the degree that you're forgiving this other person, would you feel very secure in your forgiveness? Or would you think, I, or are you thinking, I really hope God's not holding on to stuff as much as I'm holding on to it. I say that I forgive you, but in reality, I'm really thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to get paid back. I'm, I'm going to get what's mine. So, so when we're forgiving others, that's what we're doing. So we, we've got to know what happened in our forgiveness. So as you're thinking about forgiving others, it's always good to think about how did God forgive you? What happened in your forgiveness? Well, our debt was paid. God canceled the debt that stood against us. Our sins were destroyed. We saw all that in forgiveness. God did all that through the cross. Now we, so when it comes to us, we of course can't do those things. I cannot pay your debt. I can't cancel the record of wrong that you've committed against me. I can't do those things. But if our forgiveness of others looks nothing like God's forgiveness of us, then we must wonder if we're really forgiving other people. 
You, you know, you, you may not be able to pay their debt. That may be true. You and I, I may not be able, if someone wrongs me, let's say, let's say Jacob wrongs me, I, I can't pay his debt. But you can't say you've forgiven someone if you're constantly thinking about what they did to you. So I may not be able to pay his debt, but if all I do is think about it over and over and over, I may not be able to pay it, but I'm the one who's, who's remembering it. Look, if you, if you can't get what they owe you out of your mind, then that's not anywhere near canceling the record of debt that stood against them. In fact, that's the opposite. That's like you can't, that's, that's not you can't, you're not canceling their debt. It's like you're highlighting their debt every day. You're remembering anew every morning that what they did, what they did. Yes, of course you can't cancel their debt. But that doesn't mean you have to highlight it. It doesn't mean you have to sit and and think about it all the time. It's true. God, God destroyed our sin. He killed it. And you can't do that. When someone sins against you, you can't kill their sin. But you know what you, you can do? You, can, you, you don't have to resurrect it. You may not be able to kill it, but you don't have to resurrect it. You don't, you don't have, if you keep bringing it back up in your mind, remembering it over and over, then you cannot say to God, forgive me as I forgive others. Because you don't want God to forgive you like that. You don't want God to say he's forgiven you, but then every morning wake up anew going, ah, do you remember what so-and-so did? That's not forgiveness at all. So let's be honest with ourselves and the limits to how, to how others can actually repay us. And let's recognize we've got a responsibility to mirror God's forgiveness in our own forgiveness. And if your forgiveness looks nothing like God's forgiveness, then how can you call it forgiveness? Because either you don't know what forgiveness is, and you're asking God to forgive you, but you've got no idea what you're asking Him to do. Or you know what forgiveness is, and you know what He did for you, and yet you're refusing to do that same thing. And let's, let's, again, let's be honest with it. These people cannot wrong us to the degree we have wronged God. It should be infinitely easier for us to forgive. I mean, the debt they owe us is infinitesimal compared to what we owed God. So when we sit there and we say things like, oh, I just can't forgive because they did this. Are you, are you more noble than God? Are you more hurt than God? Were you wronged greater than you wronged the Lord? Having that perspective of remembering the debt that we owed, the small debt that they owed us in comparison, and remembering what God did for us and what we're being asked to do, being commanded to do, not asked. That can be a humbling thing to help us to forgive others. Remember how God forgave you. So how did God forgive us? Let's go back and we'll look at, if, if you want to know all of it, we spent an hour talking about this a uh, month and a half ago, something like that. 
how, the, the how of God forgiveness. Right now, I'll just throw four ways that we looked at what God's forgiveness was like. Uh, so that these are, these are reminder verses for, this is what your forgiveness, this is how God forgave you, so let this be the type of forgiveness that you give to others. The first one that we saw is that God forgave us abundantly. Remember, so how does God forgive us that we're supposed to mirror? Well, when God forgives you, He forgives you abundantly. We saw this in Isaiah 55, verse 7, where it said, Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, abundantly forgive. It's the same word in the Hebrew, uh, translated forgive, sometimes translated pardon, sometimes. He's going to for- abundantly forgive. So when God forgives, he forgives abundantly. So if we're going to forgive others, one of the things we've got to do, and this is what I was mentioning earlier, we like to set the bar low, right? We like to say, all right, if I have to forgive someone, what, where, where does that, where's that line at? You know, cause I want to, I don't want to be in the damned line. Uh, so I want to be above that, you know? So in reality, if we were smart, we'd be like, how high up can I go uh, to stay away from that line? But that's not what we do. We go, okay, I've got to forgive. What's the least I can do in that? And that's not, that's not how God forgave you. God forgave you abundantly. So when you're forgiving others, you need to think my forgiveness of them, you're going, where does it need to be? I'll tell you where it needs to be. It needs to be abundant. It needs to be an abundant forgiveness. Well, how abundant are we talking about? Well, the Lord not only forgave abundantly, he forgave us completely, right? Our our forgiveness was complete. You look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So when God forgives us, our sins are totally paid for so that now we can be comforted in that reality. We can be comforted by the fact that when God pays for our debt, when our debt is forgiven, it's forgiven completely. Not only does God forgive us abundantly and completely, he forgave us freely. Okay, so he forgave us freely. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17, but you are a God ready to forgive. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. So when God's forgiveness of us, God was not forced to forgive us. God freely forgave us. It says he was ready to forgive. Part of who God is ready to forgive, ready to be gracious, ready to be merciful. In your forgiveness of others, that same attitude should pervade your heart. You should be someone who is freely, that's people aren't having to pull forgiveness out of you like pulling teeth, right? Where it's like, okay, like the Lord is just constantly over your shoulder, like tisking you, tisk, tisk, like you, you're supposed to forgive. Okay, we need to have that same attitude where we are ready to forgive our brothers and sisters. We're ready to forgive anyone of anyone, uh, of anything that they do to us, that we are ready to be gracious, ready to be merciful. And we're, we do those things freely. Not because we have to, because we want to. So when you forgive others, you forgive them abundantly. You forgive them completely. You don't get to hold on to a tiny bit of what they did. Just a little. They got to make it up just a little bit. And you can't, and it doesn't, it shouldn't be pulled from you. You should do it freely. And last, you should do it, not just freely, you should do it happily. You should do it happily. It should, there should be a rejoicing in doing this. Micah chapter 7 
uh, verses 18 through 20, shows us the delight of the Lord in for you. The Lord delights in it. Who is a God like you, pardoning, forgiving iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. God delights in forgiving his people. Why does he not hold on to his anger? Why does he pardon their iniquity? Because he delights in doing that. So, so if you want to know, how am I supposed to forgive? What should it look like when I forgive others? That's what your attitude of forgiveness is supposed to be as well. When you forgive others, that's what, that's what your forgiveness is supposed to look like. That's the type of forgiveness that you and I are supposed to model. We don't just forgive. We forgive abundantly, completely, freely, and happily. It is our delight to forgive our brothers and sisters. And the truth is, any forgiveness short of that is really short of the Bible's description of what forgiveness even is. So when we forgive, what's one of the, it says how, so we, we've got to forgive. How are we supposed to forgive? One of the things we've got to realize is your forgiveness must mirror the Lord's. Your forgiveness of others must mirror how God has forgiven you. But that's, that's not the only description in Scripture for how we are for, uh, to forgive. The next thing that we're going to see is that when we forgive, we actually have to mean it. Okay, we actually have to mean it. In other words, forgiveness can't just be token forgiveness. It can't just be, uh, you know, they did this and I, I, know, I know I'm supposed to forgive. I know I'm supposed to say this. I know I'm supposed to do that. God doesn't fall for that trick, right? Uh, God doesn't fall for you going, I forgive you. Did he hear that? I forgive you. And not really meaning it. That's not, that's, that type of forgiveness is actually unforgiveness. Uh, just to say it and not mean it. That's not real forgiveness. So when Jesus warns us about this, he warns us of this sort of mechanical forgiveness that just says, I forgive you, I forgive you, but didn't mean it, uh, down in your heart. So the next thing we're going to see is that forgiveness must come from the heart. Forgiveness must come from the heart. We see this in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 33. And should you, uh, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants? So remember, this is the end of that, the servant who was owed a bajillion dollar debt uh, and the Lord forgave him, but then his, his fellow servant owed him uh, just a small amount and he would not forgive that servant. So this is what Jesus says. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, Jesus says, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother, what? From your heart. And the truth, the truth is, the only way you and I will forgive abundantly, completely, freely, happily, the only way that we'll forgive like God is when forgiving others actually comes from our heart. When we actually mean it. When we're not just saying, I forgive you, but we're down in our, our very core, we're actually not holding that debt against them. Our words are just saying what our hearts have already done. 
I forgive you, when that comes out of your mouth, that action should have already happened in your heart. In fact, Jesus warns you, if it doesn't, then what comes out of your mouth doesn't matter. We all know. We all know we're supposed to say, uh, I forgive you. I mean, our kids do that. It's part of their rote response, right? Uh, okay, I want you to tell them, you know, you're supposed to ask for them to forgive you and tell them what they're forgiving you for. Forgive me for saying you're, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything because that would seem mean. Uh, for, forgive me for saying whatever. And they respond back, I forgive you. We all know we're supposed to, that's how, that's how the play is supposed to happen. But what you say isn't the only important thing. What matters is what's going on, Jesus says, in our hearts. Now again, forgiving someone in your heart, meaning it, saying it with your mouth, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard just to say it. I forgive you. Even when you don't, it's hard to say, I forgive you. It It is not easy. To forgive from the heart. It's hard. That's why this sort of forgiveness is only possible in Christ. That's why this is the type of love amongst brothers that the Bible says is going to show the world that there's something different about Jesus Christ. Because look at how they treat it. They're able to forgive each other and mean it. I mean, they've wronged each other and they say, I forgive you just like we do. But then when they get back together, it's not like our Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's not like when we get back together and we go, I don't think you actually did forgive me. You know, and they they said they forgave you and they bring it right back up. And you look at them and said, you said you forgave me. And then they look back and say, I lied. Uh, that's, that's not what happens in Christianity. Why? Because of the work of the Lord in our hearts, we're actually able to forgive others from our hearts. Something that that is hard and would be impossible without the work of Christ in our lives. That's why Peter tells the church in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now the word earnestly is is a word that means to stretch out for something. The, The word earnest is just the combination of the word out and stretching. Stretching out. When someone sins against you, because forgiving them is hard... You got to forgive them from your heart. Not just forgiveness on the outside, not just playing nice, not just pretending, but down in your heart, meaning I forgive you because that's hard. You have got to be stretching out to love your brothers and sisters. That's, that, that love that is able to forgive your brothers and sisters is not something that's easy. So if you're not, if you're not stretching outward, if you're not clinging to it, if instead you're clinging to what they've done to you, you're never going to forgive them. You're never going to forgive them from your heart. And yet that's the requirement. When we, when we see, okay, Jesus told us, so we've prayed, Father, forgive me my debts as I have forgiven my debtors. And we've, saw that, we've seen that tied to that is, is for us to actually be forgiving others. That if we're not forgiving others, we will not be forgiven ourselves. So we recognize what that is, and now we see, and this is what forgiveness looks like. 
It's got to be from your heart. If you're not clinging to love one another, if you're not stretching out and holding, grasping, clinging to that love, if instead you're clinging to what other people have done to you, if that's what you're remembering, if you can go home and you remember more what the people around you have done to you, rather than how blessed you are to have them in your lives, you are not clinging to love, you're clinging to the debt. You are not forgiving from your heart and you need to take the words of Peter seriously and say, Father, you know, I want to stretch out. I want to be someone who stretches out to love my brothers and sisters from a pure heart. If, if, if it's easier for you to remember the wrong than it, is, than it is for you to remember the good, then you're not clinging to love, you're clinging to the debt and that means you're not forgiving. And let this be a rebuke from the Lord in that. If there's, if there's things that you're still remembering, thing, if you, we all know if we mean it when we say it. And maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me to mean it. That's fine. But what you don't want to do is pretend that you mean it when you don't. If you know there's someone that you have not forgiven anyone of anything from your heart, then ask the Lord, Lord, help me to forgive them and help me to mean it. Help it to come from uh, my heart. So how are we forgive? We're to give them from the heart. So we are to forgive like God, abundantly, completely, freely, happily. Uh, that forgiveness is supposed to be real, supposed to be down uh, in our hearts. Next, we see that that forgiveness is supposed to be unrestrained. Unrestrained. So we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to forgive like God, forgive them from the heart. But what are the boundaries of that? What are the boundaries for our forgiveness? It could be that, you know, there are just certain persons or certain situations that are beyond our ability to forgive. Maybe when the Lord talks about forgiveness, that he's meaning, you know, things in this realm here, but This person, you don't have to forgive because they did this. You know, what are the restraints? What are the bounds uh, for our forgiveness? We're actually going to see that when it comes to forgiveness, our forgiveness is actually unrestrained by the person or the problem. Meaning this, listen listen to the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 4. This is, this is Jesus teaching that Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. And he says this, Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So a little bit more intense there uh, in that Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Forgive us as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Who do you have to forgive? What are the bounds of forgiveness? Chris, I've got to forgive, but who do I have to forgive? Well, let's use Jesus' words. Who do you have to forgive? Everyone. Everyone indebted to you. Now, you can't say, well, I like the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 better. Uh, I want to focus on that one. I don't want to hear this one in Luke 11. Matthew 6 is my favorite because it doesn't have the word everyone. Uh, you can't, you can't do that. You can't say, I can't, I can't do Luke 11 because there's, there's that one person who's done this thing, uh, and you simply can't forgive them. And to have God tell you to forgive everyone, for him to say, forgive everyone who owes you, that's just too much. Yet that's exactly what Jesus taught his disciples. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. 
Is that what your forgiveness looks like? Or are you just forgiving some of the people who owe you and then going, look, I'm a forgiver. Because I forgive some of the people. Even most of the people who owe you. But you, you cannot say that you're meeting Jesus' standard here in Luke 11, which is to forgive everyone who owes you. In Mark 11, Jesus takes it even further. Not only do you have to forgive everyone, look at what he says. Mark 11, verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. So that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So, so we've seen that we're supposed to forgive anybody. We saw that in Luke 11. That we are forgiving everyone who is indebted to us. As we forgive everyone who uh, is indebted to us. So we've seen that we, we're supposed to forgive anybody. But here we see we're not just supposed to forgive everybody. We're supposed to forgive everything. Okay, so what are the restraints of, of forgiveness? Who do I have to forgive? So when I forgive, okay, how do you have to forgive? You, you, forgive from, you, you, you forgive like God from the heart. Well, who does that have to go to? Well, everybody, every single person who has done what? Anything. There's not a sin that someone commits against you that you can say, I will not forgive that. I just can't forgive it. I can't forgive it. When you say that, that is a lie. If you say there is someone I cannot forgive, that's, that's a lie. What you mean to say is I won't. I refuse. I rebel. However you want to say it. Let's take, let's take Mark 11 in context. You're standing, you're praying, so you're forgiving, but there's someone you just can't forgive. Something you just can't uh, not hold on to. Something that you demand that person get what they deserve. That they repay you. That they repay you for the, for the pain they caused you. The hurt they've caused you. The trauma they... I mean, they've messed up your life. And yet here Jesus tells us that if you want to pray at all, if you want to ask God for anything... Not just praying for forgiveness here. Mark 11, if you're standing and praying, forgive. If you want to ask God for anything, you had better first be forgiving and forgiving anyone of anything. Not just before you ask for forgiveness, before you ask God for anything. Galatians chapter 6, although it doesn't deal with the word forgiveness explicitly, is carrying on the same theme. So it's not like the New Testament church went, let's ignore what Jesus said in Luke 11. Let's focus on Matthew 6. Uh, And they didn't say, we're definitely not going to pay attention to Mark when he says we've got to forgive anyone anything. This teaching is so prevalent that, remember, Galatians was probably written before the, the gospel of Mark here and was such a prevalent teaching that it was already a part of the teaching of the church for how they relate to one another. They knew this is what Jesus taught. They knew this is what, what he said. Mark's not going to pull this out in his gospel and everyone go, oh, I didn't remember him saying that. This is exactly what the church taught. So Galatians 6.1, same idea. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, anyone caught in anything, 
You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And, and here again, we see that sort of, sort of combination of the thoughts that we've been, we've been looking at. Not only should we forgive anyone anything, like we saw in Mark, we do it with the, with the right attitude. In a, in a spirit of gentleness, uh, humility, being, being as gentle with them as, as God has been with us and as they may need to be to us one day. So what are the limits, what are the bounds, uh, the restraints for uh, forgiveness? Who do I not have to forgive? What, can I, what do I not have to forgive? The answer is, the Lord says, you have to forgive everyone. You have to forgive anyone who's done anything. Those are just the words that he uses. Uh, so I figure those are good words for us to use. Uh, we could caveat those all we want to. We could chant, but he uses the most simple words he could. Uh, anyone of anything. So what is our forgiveness supposed to look like? Our forgiveness is supposed to mirror God's forgiveness abundantly, completely, freely, happily. We forgive from the heart. It's supposed to be unrestrained. We forgive everyone of everything. And lastly, lastly we see this type of forgiveness must be unlimited. In other words, doing this, there's no point where you've done this so much that you don't have to do it anymore. Okay, so it could be, it could be, uh, so, so it, it, is, uh, it is unlimited. It could be that, you know, okay, you forgave this person, you've forgiven anyone who did anything, but then they did that anything again, right? And it's one thing to forgive anyone anything, it's another thing when you've forgiven that anyone of that anything now multiple times. At what point does the anyone not have to be forgiven of the anything, right? Because I did it, right? I did Mark 11. I forgave the anyone of the anything. I forgave everyone of the debt. But is there a point that I no longer have to do that? Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And the Bible tells us that it's actually expected for there to be a perpetual attitude of forgiveness among Christians. So Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, this is it. This is when Paul writes this, this is assuming that we're constantly going to have to be doing these things, right? There's no, there's no cutoff point for being kind, right? No one goes, be kind five times to one another, right? It is, we are to be perpetually kind to one another. We're to be perpetually tender-hearted to one another. These things are always going on, and we are to perpetually be forgiving one another, which means we might constantly be dealing with the sin of believers. And think, so as Christians, not only, not only are we dealing with our own sin, we, it is expected that we in the church will constantly be dealing not just with our sin, but with each other's sin. And not even just with each other's sins, but with each other's sins against us. It is expected that not only will you need forgiveness for your sin, and not only will your church need forgiveness, there will need to be forgiveness for what people are going to do against you. And so Paul has to tell the church here, hey, make sure you're kind, make sure you're tender, make sure you forgive. And which one does he caveat even more? The forgiveness one. He reminds them, because he knows they're going to go, kind, yeah, tenderhearted, yeah, forgive, what? 
Because he, so he says, let me remind you, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He makes sure they remember. He doesn't say, as God has been kind to you. He doesn't say, as God is tenderhearted to you. He says, as God in Christ forgave you. You know, people can be shocked sometimes when someone in the church sins against them. But the truth is, God isn't shocked. In fact, God says that forgiveness must be a constant perpetual attitude between believers. The only way that that would be a necessity is if the church is constantly in the need of forgiveness. What are we thinking when we say that we must be perpetually prepared to forgive, that our forgiveness must be unlimited? Well, let's look at the example that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 18 again. So turn to Matthew 18. This time, let's go to verse 21. This is where we see the, the unlimited nature. So we, we've got to be, uh, there's got to be a perpetual state of forgiveness in the church where, where we are, we recognize that we're going to need to constantly be kind to one another, constantly be tenderhearted to one another, constantly forgiving each other. But look at what Jesus says, is the, sort of the limits to that. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So, so Peter's just heard Jesus' teaching on forgiveness, on dealing with sin in the church and winning back your brother. He's just seen all that and he's, he's ready to do it, right? He's ready to do the hard work of forgiving somebody, but he's got just this one question. How many times do I have to do that? How many times do I have to forgive my brother. At, at what point can I look at my brother and say, enough is enough, and I not have to forgive them? I not have to do that hard thing that I just read about. At what point, you know, is it uh, seven times? And I bet Peter thought seven was a pretty high number. I mean, because you can think about it. There probably aren't many people uh, in the church who have sinned against you seven times. And so he's probably like, or maybe if it's Peter, maybe he realized he's at six with Mark, right? You know, or with one of them, or you know. Uh, but what is he? What is he? What is Jesus' response to that? Jesus says, "No, not seven, but seventy-seven times." Of course, Jesus isn't saying what we. Jesus isn't saying you keep a record. And at the 78th time, you get to go, ha ha! You know, I only had to do seventy-seven. What's he saying? The point is that, Peter, there is no limit. There's no limit to the number of times you'll do this. Not seven times. I say 77 times. There's no number. He, he makes it even, even more intense in the Gospel of Luke and Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in the day... And turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So not only must we be prepared to perpetually forgive, we've got to be prepared to perpetually forgive in one day. In one day. People, people will say things like, they've, you know, they've had their chance or, or whatever. But Jesus actually gives this really preposterous example where someone someone keeps sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting and is doing that not just throughout your life, but someone who does that seven times in the same stinking day. 
And we might be tempted to say, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to forgive. You obviously haven't repented. But notice Jesus doesn't ever tell him to evaluate the person's repentance. He can't. This is all happening seven times in the same day. He doesn't go three times. All right, you're not repenting. So I don't believe your repentance, which means I don't have to forgive you. Ha! That's not what he says to do. He says, if your brother does it, if they repent, you what? What does he say? If he repents seven times, it turns to you and says, I repent, you must Forgive him. You must do it. If someone sins against us, must we forgive them? Yes. If someone sins against us 77 times, must we forgive them? Yes. If someone sins against us seven times in one day, must we forgive them? Jesus says, you must forgive him. Our forgiveness, our abundant, complete, free, happy to do forgiveness that is from our hearts, that unrestrained forgiving anyone of anything must also be unlimited. There is no point where we get to say that's too much. How are we supposed to forgive without limit? So not only does the Bible tell us that we must forgive, it tells us how we must forgive abundantly, completely, freely, happily from our hearts, unrestrained by person or action and unlimited. So today we've got a simple question for us. Is that what your forgiveness looks like? Is that what it looks like when you forgive others? It's certainly what God's forgiveness of you looks like. Are you willing even striving to forgive others like you have been forgiven. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to ask things of our God. Let's take a moment to consider what our God has told us in his word, what we've seen from Jesus's mouth and in his word of what we not only should do, but must do. I mean, Jesus is not vague about how we're supposed to forgive. He's not vague in this is what your forgiveness is supposed to look like and this is what you've got to do. So start out, just just ask the Lord. Ask yourself, what, what is the attitude you have when you forgive others? I mean, when you forgive people, do you do it abundantly? Are you doing it completely? Freely? Happily? Is that what your forgiveness is like? Is your forgiveness of others like God's forgiveness of you? If it's not, then you've got to ask, am I really forgiving people then? Because that's our example of forgiveness. You can't redefine it and just do it your way. Does your forgiveness look like the forgiveness that you have received? Where does your forgiving others come from? Does it come from your heart? Or is it like the unacceptable worship of the Israelites? Do you just go through the motion of forgiveness? Is doing what you think you're required to do? Or do you mean it? Does your forgiveness have restraints? Is there someone you just can't forgive? 
Is there something that someone has done that you just can't forgive that thing? You let them by on so many other things, but they did this. And you can't let go of that. You've got to be repaid. You deserve it. Are you forgiving anyone of anything? Before we ask for forgiveness from our God, Jesus says, before we ask for anything, that's what we must be doing. Does your forgiveness have an expiration date? Does your forgiveness have a cutoff point? Or is it unlimited, like Scripture says? Is it perpetual? What limits have you set? Is there a point where you say enough is enough? Have you been willing to forgive, but you've been living with someone who's hard to forgive? You've been raising someone who's hard to forgive. You've been working with them. You've been going to church with them, and they are hard to forgive. And you forgave, and you forgave, but enough is enough. Is that how God has forgiven you? Is that how He's treated you? He knows He certainly could have. He knows He certainly could. You certainly deserve for him to say enough is enough. You've certainly done the anything, then you've done it enough times. But he doesn't. Instead, he rejoices in his steadfast love of you. Are you clinging to love like Paul tells you to do? Are you clinging to it and you rejoice? You're rejoicing in your steadfast love? You're delighting in it? Is there any part of how you forgive others? Any part of how you forgive your wife or your husband or your kids or your parents or a coworker or a church member or an enemy that does not mirror how God in Christ has forgiven you. If there is, repent. And you will find forgiveness, a forgiveness that you can then lavish on one another. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that, God, when you forgave us, you do not set a low bar that would be easy for us to mirror. You forgive us completely. You forgive us abundantly. You do all these things in our forgiveness, Father, that, that, that help us to see what it would really mean to forgive other people. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that our forgiveness is a massive reality. I'm thankful that our forgiveness is of a debt that is a bajillion fold. And the more I understand just how great my debt was and how great your forgiveness, Father, the more we grasp that, the easier it will be to forgive. Because we'll see, when we see our debt is so great, we'll see that anyone who did anything against us, however many times, is nothing compared to what we have done to you. And yet you forgive us from your heart. You do it abundantly, completely. You do it freely and you do it happily. And then you call on us to be your people and do the same. So, Father, help us to do that. We cannot do this without you. We could not do this if you had not given us new hearts, and we cannot be obedient if your spirit will not hold us captive to your word. So, Father, make us the type of people that you made us to be. 
of forgiving people just as we have been forgiven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.